This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. So, Cullen is munching down on a piece of pizza right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm scarfing down a piece of pizza. We've been knocking content out for almost three hours now. Yeah, I guess so. Dang. Um... We've been at it for a while. Um, you still trekking along? You still okay? Yeah. I'm glad this is our last episode. Yeah, oh God, me too. I'm pretty, uh, pretty beat at this point. That's why I had to grab some pizza. Yeah. Um, so, um, that's why we look a little bit tired. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're watching us on YouTube, and you can probably hear it on our voice if you're listening on something else also 10 minutes before midnight so yes that is true <laughs> um also very true so let's just hop right in instead of doing like some long yeah, intro absolutely. like we normally do um so we've been talking about the enneagram uh, last week we talked about the one mm-hmm. and now we're talking about type two yep type um, two so um what 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 does um because you you're holding sacred enneagram correct or are you I'm not I'm abandoning sacred enneagram for this one okay so so tell us why What's so happening? I found sacred enneagram is great but in my mind you don't need it for every number hmm. because the author only breaks the spiritual practices into three categories. <laughs> The three triads. The three triads. So you only need to hit one number from every triad. And I want to be more holistic. Yeah. And so I was looking for some other resources. And I found a resource from a website called Saturate the World. Mm. And it the document is actually called the Enneagram Spiritual Formation Plan. Yeah, that's cool. And so I spent, it's 40 pages long. And I spent some time this week reading through it. And I love it. Oh, my God. I think it's so good. Okay. I think um, I'm an Enneagram 3, so I read my own number. Uh, I thought it was spot on. Mm. You're going to have to send it to me so I can read it later. Okay. And even down, so one, two. Yeah, so of the four spiritual practices they recommend... Uh, sorry, five. I do four of them. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and it's like that's incredible. Yeah, it's like okay. This is this is this, this is, is pretty legit. accurate. This is pretty accurate. I've done a lot of work in this area on the enneagram and personal transformation and, mm. and spiritual formation. Uh, for me personally, not mm. so much. I, I'm just now venturing into trying to help other people do it. But if they got it that close to me. They they've got it. Like they they're gonna be good. Yeah. So just a, a reminder, we are on. We are talking about the helper today. Yep. And the Enneagram Institute talks about the helper as the caring, interpersonal type, demonstrative, generous, people pleasing, and possessive. Yeah. Um, there are some 
there's some good language and some some not so good language there, but that comes with every type, right? Yeah. Um, so, I think um, it's good to talk about a healthy two. Um, and uh, Morgan talks about that. What we've been one of the books that we've been using, the Road Back to You. Morgan talks about a healthy two um, can often name their own needs and feelings without fear of losing relationships. Mm. Um, whereas on the other side of that. Um, an unhealthy two, it cannot do that, right? They cannot. They're incapable. Um, they, they, they're they doing things. They're helping because they need to feel loved. That's um, the deal. For a two, they help and care and serve because in their adolescence, they, they constructed something. Something about their adolescence built a construct for them that said, I am loved because I'm yeah um and so it's a very unhealthy place where it roots from like most of them right a six which is what you are their root is in fear yeah a three our root is in the need to please someone Mm -hmm. it's to perform for someone yeah so we all have negative roots for how we came to be what we are and for a two that's no different but i will say the two is also unique in that it's one of the only ones that i think perfectly lines up with a sacred pathway yeah the two and the caregiver and the caregiver are the same yeah uh so if you have taken um, the pathways journey with us. You'll know what the caregiver is. If you're a caregiver, I feel very confident saying that you are most likely a two. Yeah, because that's not something that normal people just can do and enjoy, right? Nope. Um, for lots of people, serving is hard. Um, and that's just not the case for for a lot of people. And um, actually, I guess that statement's not totally true, um, because whenever I was looking at my um, my sacred path, pathways test, um, the number one was actually a caregiver, if you remember correctly, um, and then it was an activist. I'm sorry, no, maybe it was activist and then caregiver. No, it was activist and then traditionalist. No, traditionalist was number three, but caregiver was in the top three. Huh, I don't remember yeah. you saying that. Yeah. That shocks me. Um, so I don't remember if it was caregiver first or activist first, but they were they had pretty close scores. So are you are you um well yeah, no, that shocks me. Yeah. Wouldn't um, I guess that. And I think maybe it's because like I've got this I this different idea from coming from a social work perspective, um, of valuing service. Mm, maybe um, so so I don't know. But, um, so maybe that's not always true that like, if you're a caregiver, you're a two, but like, it's very likely at least. Um, Mm -hmm. but, um, anyways, so twos like to care. They like to help. They like to do things. Um, and unhealthy twos do it almost out of 
feeling a need to be loved. Mm. Um, and, and we've experienced that with some people in our own lives. Um, yep. We've seen that firsthand. Um, and it, it can be hard for them, like extremely hard. Um, yeah. How, how would you suggest that somebody like work through that? How do they, so from, for a two, disintegration would be um, a five, right? Um, Give me a second. I'm, I'm kind of right here somewhere. So for a two, I believe disintegration would be an eight. Mm. And integration would be a four. Okay. Uh my diagram in front of me doesn't have the arrows to help me know yeah. that. I'm, I'm looking um, stress and secure. Okay, so twos and stress take on the characteristics, char- characteristic behaviors of an unhealthy eight. Oh, okay. Where so they become the demanding way. and controlling. Okay. Um, security um, or integration, right? When they're feeling, when they're feeling secure, twos move to the healthy side of the four where they're okay with not having to pretend um, uh, that everybody, that not having to pretend they love everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is a healthy place to be for anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just a two, like having this kind of like, I'm sorry that you don't like me, but I am who I am kind of attitude. is a really healthy place to be. Yeah, it is. And it can be. Um, I will say I think twos are twos are uniquely positioned in that nothing about their personality literally nothing about their personality lends themselves to finding the most formation through prayer and bible reading. Mm. Because a two needs to serve. Yeah. Which means they don't stop. Yeah. Um, and when you're serving, you you really can't read your Bible. You yeah. could pray, but a lot of times, for me, when I think about a two, the epitome, or, or maybe not the epitome, but one of the best characteristics or one of the best biblical characters we see that's in Enneagram 2 in my mind is Martha. Yeah. And if you remember the story of her and Mary, Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha's running around serving, trying to feed all these people that are in her house. Mm. She gets upset at Mary and actually is quite, uh, kind of rude, (laughs) quite forceful with Jesus about how he's not doing his job (laughs) and correcting Mary for not helping her. Uh, not helping Martha. And that's an Enneagram too. They need, like, they think that that they have to be needed. So they make themselves, they formulate places where they're needed. Yeah. But then when the stress becomes too much, they get to an unhealthy place, yeah. which totally makes sense why their unhealthy place is an eight. Right. Um. And we see that in Martha, right? She confronts Jesus. Uh, She challenges Jesus. And so with all of that, I think the two really struggles 
in traditional understandings of Christian formation, because nothing about their personality lends itself to that being a natural response for growth. No. Um, and it's so funny that, that, that you say that because what Morgan talks about um, when he talks about the famous twos, he talks about Mother Teresa and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. <laughs> so, like, these are, like, obviously people who read their Bible and, like, pray, right? But the, yeah. they're also known for serving. So um, read those people again. Who were the famous twos that Ian says? So he says... Mother Teresa, Archbis- Archbishop Desmond Tutu, and then Princess Diana, which okay. I thought was so kind of funny. So in Saturate the World, their document, they named some famous twos. Barnabas. Okay. Mother Teresa. Oh, so, okay, some overlap. <laughs> uh, Elvis Presley, which I'm not totally, I don't know enough about Elvis. I mean, he was a bit philanthropic, so I guess that um, makes sense. Madonna. Which I don't know enough about, I don't know about a lot of these yeah. people to know. Dolly Parton. So Dolly Parton, definitely. I can totally okay. see that. Danny Glover. So we talking about young Danny Glover? I have no idea. Like, it like, just says Danny Glover. So I don't know if we're talking about Childish Gambino here. Oh, or, no, I don't or, think so. Uh, um, I think maybe more like Myrtle. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know much about, about okay. Myrtle, Danny Glover. Bill Cosby. Which I can totally tell you that's accurate. Absolutely, Bill Cosby. He did so much service and activism around the civil rights movement. He's absolutely a two. I reserve my opinion. That's fine. And then lastly, Mr. Rogers. Yeah, I I can see that. So I think there are some pretty good examples of famous twos, but for saturate the world here, um, I want to see. Yeah, I want I want to be able to call them something other than saturate the world dot com, but um, that's all they say on their document. So from but, here on out, if we talk about saturated world, is what it's called. Yeah, um, or saturate the world, or saturate the world. Um, we might just refer to them as saturate. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't we'll know. find a but way to do it. They break up their practices into two categories, and they call them downstream and upstream. Okay. And the downstream practices are the ones that come natural to you. Mm-hmm. And the upstream practices are the practices that are more challenging because specifically for this, they confront the false self or flesh. Oh. So it's like if you've ever listened to Sean Palmer talk about something that they do at his house with his family, they give away the any award and they can give it to one another if they see someone acting outside of the way their number thinks that they should act Mm. because it means that they're finding another new way to express. Yeah, they're they they're at least acting as if they know that they can be loved without needing to act the way they've been told they have to act. Um, And so for a two, the two downstream practices that these people give is obviously hospitality and service for category number one. But the second one is spiritual friendship. Mm. And they say twos tend to be energized by deep friendships and sharing life with others. 
which definitely true because twos enjoy the mutual and natural supply of support, encouragement, counsel, fun, growth, and values that come with friendship Hmm. and the trust that happens between them. But notice, neither one of the things that are natural to them, their downstream paths, um, or their downstream practices are anything close to what we would traditionally call spiritual formation. No. Like they're actually the opposite. We wouldn't traditionally, at least in conservative Christianity, say that spiritual friendship is formative transformation. Like we wouldn't say that. Um, and we would say you're supposed to be hospitable and to serve. But we but, wouldn't say that that's spiritually formative either. No, we wouldn't. We uh, would just say it's like a duty. But it is, though. Oh, it, it absolutely is. Right. Because until... So, okay, this is, a, this is a good example. I don't think I w- would have ever agreed to this um, until we started this church. Okay. Um, by asking our well keepers to host a church in their home, they are practicing like spiritual hospitality. Yep. Um, and it's absolutely formative for them. Yeah, I think so. Um, because like there, there were times that they like, I've seen sometimes that like, it's not comfortable. Um, but ultimately they always end up like happier. Hmm. Right? Does that does that make sense? They they feel like they've grown because of it. Um, yeah, I don't know that I've noticed that, but uh, I could definitely see it being that because transformation happens. Well, let me say, transformation can happen in places that we're comfortable, but it can also happen in places where we're uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, and specifically for for saturate the world, the upstream practices. And I totally love this because I do this, but our centering prayer and fasting, Mm. which I'm not good at the fasting thing. (laughs) So we have, we have a two that's near and dear to our heart. Uh, someone that we're both deeply close to. Yeah. And this person never does well fasting. No. Uh, it is actually (laughs) very, very hard for this person. Uh, and there are some funny stories that come from <laughs> some funny that person fasting. It, Saturate the world yeah. says the discipline of fasting is good for twos because it helps ground them in the reality of God and helps them live consciously aware of his presence. Awakening their inner hunger for God is a way of reinforcing that God is enough and that he's faithful to have met their deepest need in Christ. Um, which if you think about a two, that makes sense. They normally go without so that others can go with, right? That's the whole service piece. But here they're going without in order to better understand that Jesus thinks they're enough, Mm. even when they're not doing the thing they think they need to do. Wow. And so I I have a history with fasting. Um, 
It is not easy. No. Nor is it fun. So, but what level of fasting are we talking about here? Because there, so like, um, in traditional Catholicism, fasting would mean two small meals and one big yeah. meal. Um, and you would abstain from meat on some days, right? Um, so that's what fasting would be for, for, for them. What what level of fasting are we talking about here? Yeah, so for me... Is it like no food at all? Yeah, when I fast, um, because, you know, maybe there's a precedent for the Daniel fast. Mm-hmm. I don't totally think Daniel's fasting when he's doing that, so I don't think it's totally one-to-one, but I'm... I'm willing to make space for that. And fasting in general, the premise, I'm willing to make space for that as well. Yeah. Uh, just in general, the idea of sacrifice. But when I look at the biblical narrative... Fasting is not eating at all. Well, fasting is you putting yourself in a posture where you say, God, I'm literally going to die if you don't answer me. Because I'm not going to eat until I feel confident that you've answered my prayer. Even, Ooh. even not even, even not even in that, that you're saying yes, yeah. but I've gotten some feedback, some response from you. And I mean, what does Jesus say? Some things only come through prayer and fasting. Yeah. Like excuse me. there's a level of reliance upon God in fasting that for me just says like, God, I'm literally, I'm. This is so important to me. I'm putting my life in your hands that if you don't answer me, I'm going to die. So for me, whenever I fast, um, and I've done some very long fasts, the longest one, I've done an 18-day fast. Wow. And for me, the wow. only thing that I drink when I do fast is coffee and water. Um, I even, I even take alcohol out because mm. alcohol has sugar. Right. Um, and so, uh, for me, it's just coffee and water, or I guess I would drink tea too. If like I was at lunch and just wanted some, like if I had to go with someone to lunch, right. uh, I would drink tea if I wanted something. But so I've done an 18 day fast. I always do no food. Uh, I'm, I haven't ever really gotten into like other forms of fasting and it's not easy. And I could totally see knowing it too, how that would be both beneficial and a real struggle. Yeah. Um, so the fasting that I've done has been the, the more, um, Catholic kind of form of fasting, um, through the Lent period. Um, and that, um, I got to tell you, like, that, sh- that that stuff ain't easy either, right? Yeah. Like, it's extremely difficult. Yeah. Um, and I, I almost wonder, in some ways, if it's a different kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you can eat some, oh, but you have yeah. to cut yourself off. Yeah. Um, and so, like, yeah, I can totally understand as well, like, the idea of having to to give up. Um, could be could be um good and also harmful to it too as well. Yeah, I think. And moving on to to the the other upstream 
practice for a two is the centering prayer. And this is really interesting because twos have this incessant need to be doing. And even saturate the world makes this connection. Um, a centering prayer puts you at a place where you're supremely still. You're centering yourself back to baseline. So commonly we would do this like when anxieties get high. And we would go through a centering prayer where we, we bring ourselves back to baseline. Think deep breaths, very meditative kind of centering prayer. And saturate the world actually puts it in the construct of Mary and Martha. Hmm. But... The centering prayer is the posture that Mary takes, not Martha. The one that's ultimately different than what she feels she needs to be doing. Yeah. It's actually the hardest thing for her to do because she feels like she has to be doing in order to be needed and she needs to be needed in order to be loved. Yeah. So to center yourself in a place of stillness is the ultimate hardest thing for a two to do but also can be the most transformative because you break those bonds that say i'm loved because of what i do i think there's a lot of value in that yeah um and and actually that leads perfectly to to this quote um that um that ian has from lao Tzu. And it says, act without expectation. Mm. Um, if you're a two, honestly, if you're anyone, actually, um, do because you love. Yeah. Do because you do. Don't do because you want to be loved or yeah. feel loved. Because that is a very unhealthy place to be. Yeah. I want to leave us with this final piece here. Uh, saturate the world at the end. I'm going to link this in the show notes because I really do think it's helpful. And there's a lot of extra things in here that we don't have time to go into each and every week. But I do think they can be helpful to the listeners. Uh, but they end every number with this, this box at the end. And it says, the gospel, whatever number needs to believe. So I want to read this to you, and this will be where we end. The gospel twos need to believe. Because Jesus' grace is sufficient, I am free to assume the posture of a child, admit my neediness, and walk in humility. His grace is sufficient for me, so I don't have to feel shame related to my needs and weakness. And in Christ, I have a high priest who is able to sympathize with me. Since Jesus became man, in essence, Jesus became needy so that I can be needy with him without the feeling of shame. The incarnation and the cross tell me how much he wants me.